200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello and welcome back and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Our guest today is Executive Director of NASRO, the National Association of School Resource Officers, Mo Kennedy. After a 25-year career, Mo retired from the Hoover Police Department in 2011. The last 12 years of his career were spent as the commander of the School Services Division, which provided services to over 13,000 students. He joined the NASRO board in 2005 and became the executive director in 2011. Welcome, Mr. Mo Kennedy. Well, thanks for being on Policing Matters, and it's important to hear what you say about the current state of affairs that's affecting all manners of policing, including talk of defunding police, special assignments, segments, and actually eliminating entire police agencies. I recently read just this morning that Oakland is voting to eliminate their uh, school security division, they're essentially their police force, as well as uh, the Los Angeles um, educators asking to eliminate uh, police from all their schools there. And I'd just like to open up with what's your reaction to all that? Um, you know, I never thought I would see that in my lifetime that we're really talking about defunding police departments and, and other law enforcement agencies is uh, strange language to me. Um, but to stick uh, specifically to the school resource officer part, uh, what's been interesting as I've watched the well, interesting and discouraging as I've watched this play out now for really, I, I guess, eight days, because this seemed to start with the Minneapolis uh, decision. Um, I haven't been able to really get a solid answer from anyone as to why. Why now? Uh, and what is what's beginning to come to light is it was just a convenient uh, opportunity with what happened in Minneapolis all over two weeks ago. Uh, and uh, it's pretty sad. Um, I, I will point out also that the majority, the clear majority of the districts that I've heard talk about this so far are not districts where we've had the opportunity to train their officers. Uh, the only exception right now that I know of is Portland. We've trained the Portland police officers. So that one really uh, is stunning to me. Uh, our message has been, if there's something that was wrong with your SRO program before two weeks ago, uh, we're a phone call away. And we are an association that has been in place for 30 years. We have tremendous experience across our membership and our instructors, and we can help you repair whatever the problems are. Uh, and it's not that complicated. Well, we, we all know the, the role of the SRO at um, schools is invaluable. It's invaluable as a prevention method and reaching out to students and faculty. Um, the role of SROs in active shooters before, during, and post-event is extremely important. So what does the current climate mean for officers operating in schools, earning trust, building relationships with students and administrators? 
how's that going to take a turn due to recent events? Well, I, I think it depends on where you are, to be quite honest, because I think where we have well-established SRO programs, and I'm, I can only speak to the ones that we've trained and are members of ours, because that way I know how, they, how they've trained and how they're supposed to be functioning. But in those instances, I think that those uh, programs are so well-established uh, that, yes, they may be dealing with a different set of circumstances, but the foundation is there because officers have been engaged with students. They've built those relationships. I'll give you a quick anecdotal story. This past Saturday uh, here in Hoover, Alabama, where, where I'm located, and uh, that's the department that I worked for for 25 years, there was a, a planned protest on Saturday uh, from two to four at Hoover City Hall. Um, what was interesting is that a group of former uh, Hoover High School students who are all African-American men, uh, they worked to get the police department together for basically a picnic. And it came about because of their positive relationships with their SROs during their high school years. That's how all that connected. Uh, so it, I think, again, uh, good, solid SRO programs uh, are going to be well-suited to help deal with students' concerns as they return to campus eventually. So we, we resurrected our school resource officer program in San Francisco about 20 years ago because we saw the need. We saw what was happening in schools. And uh, it's, it's sort of funny that you know maybe five years ago, bullying was a big sort of hot topic in schools, online, virtual. But I remember uh, in San Francisco schools, bullying was the least of their problems, that there were actual violent um, threats, uh, assaults, robberies. Uh, I heard complaints from uh, teachers and students alike saying that uh, students were afraid to go to restrooms at school because of, um, for fear of, of other students. And so the SRO on campus has made a, a huge difference. So that's during school. We had a couple other podcasts about school officers as mandated reporters. What happens during the summer? What happens during now, during this shelter in place or uh, pandemic rules where kids aren't allowed in school? What's the role of the school resource officer then? Well, I think it's been really spread out. It's And, and we've really stayed in touch with our members to find out what's going on. Uh, we've asked for their stories of what they're doing uh, during the pandemic. Um, some of them have gone to help fill uh, patrol positions, gaps there, which gives them, you know, with their skill set, it's great because uh, they're used to doing community-based policing, which is a great thing to be doing even during the pandemic at a distance. You can still do that. Um, some of them have uh, found really unique ways to stay engaged with their students. Uh, many uh, have gotten involved with delivering meals to students, the, the school uh, lunches for uh, free and reduced price uh, stu students who have free and reduced price lunches. Uh, so that's helped them stay connected. They've gotten in on on Zoom meetings with classes. Teachers have brought them in and they've been able to do their law related education that way. Uh, again, just a variety of ways they've really stayed connected. Yeah, those are all great things. So going forward with, with what some of the criticisms are, should we make adjustments with school resource officers? Should we be doing something different? Yes, we should. Uh, all of the ones who are, are not carefully selected and are not specifically trained, that needs to be dealt with. 
Uh, I was asked by a congressional committee a few years ago if NASRO is trying to get more officers in schools. And I said to them, the priority first is making sure that the ones there are the right people to be there and that they are specifically trained to do the job. And that still holds true. So that's if there's an adjustment that needs to be made, it's that one. I, somebody asked me the other day what percentage of SROs across the country we trained. And I just threw out a maybe 50 percent. I, I don't know for sure. We trained over 10,000 people last year, a um, little less than that the year before. And when you factor in promotions and rotation out of assignments and retirements, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's hard to know how many there are in the country and what percentage we've actually trained. But I'm going to go with 50 percent um, because that that probably is close. Well, that's great. That's great that, that you're approaching that many officers. I've heard uh, recent proposals that have been rekindled. Um, it's not new, but uh, including unarmed, non-uniformed officers in the school. That seems counterproductive. Um, some guy walking around campus in a golf shirt uh, without any identifying um, uh, allegiance or alliance with a law enforcement agency sort of uh, waters down part of the purpose of a police officer being on campus. Don't you agree? A absolutely. Uh, and Jim, I assume that that uh, what you're meaning by that is we're, we're talking about in places replacing an armed SRO with an unarmed security person. Is well, that what I'm understanding? Well, two things. One has been the call for uniform police with no guns. That's one version. <laughs> okay. First of all, you're going to get a reaction out of me on that one, but go ahead. We can come back to that. No, no, let's let's do all this. Right, well, it goes. Unarmed police. I, I can't even get my hands around that. Um, how are we supposed to do our jobs? We're we we live in a society. Um, let you know two of the two of the amendments that seem seems like um, this country's citizens treasure are. Uh, First Amendment and Second Amendment, right? Right. Uh, and so because we're living in a country where that, that exists, that there are guns all over this country. If we started collecting them all up today, which is insane, we'd never finish. Uh, so, so that's, you know, we got to be able to be armed, do our job and to protect the public. I would not be a police officer unarmed. Now, and I'm not a gun, I'm not a big gun guy, certainly not a gun nut. But how do you send a law enforcement officer out to do that job unarmed, even in a school environment, even more so in a school environment? How in the world are you going to protect the student body against a violent attack, especially an armed encounter? Uh, so that makes no sense to me. Right. And the idea that you're putting someone out there in uniform, visible, unable to defend themselves in a firefight. It's a tremendous liability on a law enforcement agency, if you think about it just that way. Right. So, OK, let's go to the second phase. Uh, Non-uniformed officers in schools may be armed, but um, I don't know, Bermuda shorts and a T-shirt or a polo shirt. You're not kidding with me, are you? Well, that I mean, I, I'm sort of exaggerating the, okay, the right. proponents, the proponents behind that idea that okay, we want a cop to be there, not necessarily in uniform, but we do want them on campus, but we want to sort of water down the, the visual. 
Well, when you think about the fact that being an SRO is it's if, if it's being done correctly, it's a community based policing approach. I don't know how you do that in a polo shirt and a pair of slacks. Uh, I, that visibility is so incredibly important in any aspect of community based policing. Visibility is important. We also know that uniformed police presence, and it's hard to gather the data on this, I know that, a marked car, we know that's a deterrent to crime. Uh, you know, any school that has a marked police car sitting in front of it, is it gonna stop everything? No, but it is a deterrent. And, and so we recognize that. I knew when I was a law enforcement officer, and you can see me, I'm not that intimidating of a presence, but I still knew that being in uniform uh, and, and being at a particular place, it was a deterrent. And so I, I'm, I'm just not sure how we, how we get to the, the non-uniform piece. No, you, you bring up a great um, point, and that is how can we measure the, the prevention aspect of school resource officers in schools? And it's hard, and that, that hurts as always when uh, budget comes around or we're asking for more personnel or somebody leaves and we ask for a replacement. Uh, makes the argument difficult when we try to quantify the deterrence factor. Well, it's hard to quantify it anywhere in, in law enforcement, quite frankly. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that is very difficult to quantify, but anyone with walking around common sense knows it's a deterrent. Right. Um, you talked a minute ago about uh, choosing the right um, uh, officer, the temperament for the role of the school resource officer. I'm going to ask you to expand on that, but first I want to ask, uh, should school administrators uh, and or faculty play a role on a review board or a panel um, to evaluate uh, an officer as an SRO? I think a law enforcement agency is making a mistake if they don't have some interaction from, from the school side. Not that the school is going to make the final decision, especially if it's the classic SRO uh, setup where the officer works for the law enforcement agency. The law enforcement agency is where their chain of command is. They know the officer the best. They're going to need to make the final decision. But not having some input from the school administration side, if you will, uh, I think is a big mistake. Uh, and, and I think that uh, it, it, you know, one of the things that we preach on this is that uh, collaboration is critically important, good collaboration. And I think when we as a law enforcement agencies extend that hand to, to that, I think that helps a lot with collaboration. It lets the school know that, that you know, we're really serious about this program being done the right way. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so what is the ideal officer candidate for an SRO position? What do you look for? Yeah. It's a careful selection process, and this is coming from someone who served as a sergeant and a lieutenant uh, in an SRO program and had to make those choices. Uh, and I made a couple of mistakes myself, thinking I had gotten the right person. Uh, and, and then you got to go back in and you got to root them back out. You got to get them out now because it's it's not working. They're they're not the officer you thought they were. So it really is a it can be a very painstaking process. One of the things Nazaro's put out some best practices around this. And one of the things that we recommend is that any officer who's going to go to work in the school have at least at least three years experience with the agency that are being assigned in. Uh, that gives us a much better chance to know about this officer and to really be able to know their work history, uh, any discipline history, those kinds of issues. This has to be a, an absolute role model 
quite frankly, as all law enforcement should be. But in a school, this is these are going to be your most well-known officers in your community for for good or for bad. That's the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also want to look at this officer's um, uh, engagement in working with youth. You know, they've done things like youth baseball coach or scout leader or, you know, working with a church youth group or, or a religious youth group, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, do we see those kinds of things going on uh, in terms of a volunteer capacity? And then this has also got to be a person with just phenomenal public relations skills. I think uh, they uh, they have to uh, uh, they have to be able to really engage with a, a, a wide range of people uh, in the school environment, students, parents, um, educators, everybody. Uh, and finally, it, it's got to be an officer that, that's pretty tactically sound. If you think about that, all these other things are, are good things that we want to have. But if we have an active shooter situation or a violent situation, then the officer has to utilize their weapon. I want the best marksman in the department in that situation right now uh, because I don't want them to miss. So they miss their target. There are a lot of a lot of potential problems there. Right. Yeah. So we we're talking from a, a perspective of maybe a, a an agency having the luxury of being able to choose. But what about in a smaller agency where there's not a lot of personnel and you select someone? Can you touch a little bit on the national standards for SRO training and what are some essential elements in the training? Can you train any officer to be a good SRO? Well, you know what? I have to say no one has ever asked me that question in that way. Can you train an officer to be an SRO? That's um yeah, you really pulled one over on me there, and that's a pretty good question, to be quite honest. I don't know. I, I don't think I really know the answer to that question. I'm going to probably lean toward no. Uh, I think it's just so far out of the lane uh, for, for some people. Uh, the idea of going into a school building and working with kids all day long, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's just not in everybody's lane. And so we have to be realistic about that. Uh, I think in the situation that you're describing, a small agency that, that maybe doesn't have that perfect fit, uh, you just got to find the best candidate, I think. Now, the training from a training standpoint, I have to tell you, when I became an SRO, I was so thankful I went through NASRO's basic course. Now, this is back in the late 90s. And I remember when we got to the block on special education and special needs students and just you talk about eye opening uh, I was so thankful that I had that information before I walked into a school and see things happening that are completely foreign to me. Before I walk into a school and I, I see a situation going on where uh, two kids do the same thing and one gets suspended and the other one's out of out of days, you know, from a special needs standpoint. But we also have added components that that I think any um, any patrol officer, any officer could, could benefit from. And one of those is understanding adolescent brain development. It's so critical and it helps SROs have a better opportunity to de-escalate situations. Um, we also, a few years ago, added a component uh, on, uh, it's actually the, the name of the component, and I, I'll, I try to keep it written down so that uh, I get the title correct but it is building effective relationships with diverse students. 
And um, within that, implicit bias is a, a big piece of that particular training. And again, another opportunity where you just kind of see the lights come on uh, for a lot of attendees. And one other thing we have, and this is a standalone workshop, is a one and a half day adolescent mental health training uh, workshop specifically for SROs because now they're having to deal with those issues. So any of that training could benefit any police officer but could we train any police officer to get them to the point that they could really be effective in this role? The answer is probably no. I hate to say that, but probably no. No, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, the adage, the best army is a volunteer army. You, you have somebody who's interested in it, vested in it. Um, how about those people? Certainly you could train them. And Oh, yeah, Absolutely. But you also have to watch out for the person that, that's knocking the door down wanting the job. And, and sometimes it's that they don't understand what the job is. So you, right. you know, that's part of the interview process and even uh, to some degree recruiting within your own department. But making sure that, that men and women know that this is not going into the school and spending all day shooting basketball with the kids in PE. That, that's not what this is. Right. Uh, it's not a Monday through Friday weekends off gig, if that's what you're after. It's it's a lot more than that. Yeah, yeah. No, totally agree. So we, I think we, we can both agree that the officer's presence needs to happen at off school offsite events as well. And um, mm -hmm. after hours uh, games where you might have a threat from an outside school coming by. I mean, there, there's. Hey, Jim, when SROs work those kind of events, um, after I, the, the, the sporting events, uh, concerts, plays, when they're going and providing security, um, there have been many times as an SRO that we've provided security for field trips. We went, uh, gosh, I've been to California with our high school band. We've been to New York City for the Macy's Parade with our band, uh, different places with our football team. Those become great relationship building opportunities. I, it's it's really just incredible uh, how what great relationships you can build with students and their parents because they're their parents are as chaperones. So now all of a sudden you're you're reaching out into the community a little deeper and building some really important relationships. Yeah, but it's not all fun and games. I'm sure you got to have your head on a swivel and your primary reason is is there to make sure everybody stays safe. Yeah. yeah. So. I'd like to wrap up with with an important question that deals with today's situation that you know many opponents that we're hearing say SRO programs um, having police in schools make students of color uncomfortable. Do you think such feelings are related to how some patrol officers have routinely behaved around people of color? If so, is there any way of people of color in such communities? Uh, can be made to feel comfortable around SROs? You know, Jim, it's really interesting when I hear those comments and I look at where they're coming from, I'm, I'm quickly able to connect the dots to a place that we really haven't been. Now, I'm not suggesting that Nazareth can go in and fix everything. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but it's kind of, it, I, so I start to ask the question, have they not, have they not been about the right way of building relationships. The number one goal of an SRO should be to bridge the gap between law enforcement and youth. And again, the officers that have learned that, that are doing that, that are in good collaboration, 
I, I don't think we're hearing as much of that kind of feedback from those communities. I'm telling you right here where I am, anywhere in this metropolitan area, you start trying to pull SROs out of schools and, and you're going to have a fight on your hands. Uh, but, but in a place like uh, Minneapolis where we've never trained, I don't know what their practices have been. So uh, getting back to your question, I, I never found that to be my experience as an SRO. Now, if I went back and asked some of the students, they might have that experience, but I, I really found um, great opportunities to connect with students of color. And it, it and here's the thing, here's the, this is part of that careful selection thing. Um, it, it doesn't have to be, um, it, it doesn't have to be an officer of color necessarily. If they are, great, whatever, we just need the best quality officer there. Uh, we have an officer at one of our high schools. I still say our, like I'm still with the department. I've been gone almost 10 years. He, he's a, a Caucasian uh, officer, and, and uh, I, I kind of helped put him in there before I leave. And I'm so proud of him because he has built deep, deep connections and relationships with the African-American students in that school. It's, it's really phenomenal. I, had, I knew it would be good, but I knew it would be this good. Uh, he's he's the poster child for what this is supposed to look like. So again, Jim, I think it goes back again. It depends on where you are. Uh, I think to kind of finalize this, when a school district or a law enforcement agency makes the decision to push out SROs, they're getting rid of what is potentially their best community-based policing tool. When it's done right, I firmly believe it is the epitome of community-based policing. So again, it may be broken or bent or busted. Uh, I, I believe we can help uh, repair whatever those problems may be if, you, if, if they just give us an opportunity. Good points, good points all. And I think you hit it right on the head when, I mean, you may be losing your best community uh, police officer in general, but you're actually reaching an audience that needs to learn from an early age that officers can be trusted and can be someone that they can see as an individual rather than just somebody in uniform. If we don't get it right with youth, they're going to be adults one day and we got to wait another generation. Right. I've been speaking today with Mo Kennedy, Executive Director of the National Association of School Resource Officers, great organization. Uh, great leadership there. Thank you so much for weighing in today on Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. Thank you for, for your time and your contributions today. And to everyone listening, thanks again for listening. Tell us what you think. Is your school resource officer program being threatened? Is it business as usual? Uh, can you use some tools to help? Check out the NASRO uh, website. We'd love to hear from you. Comment under this podcast or write us at policingmatters at policeone.com. That's policingmatters at policeone.com. I'm Jim Dudley. Thank you.